0: The text for this morning's service is taken from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and then we take the fourth word. But the fruit of the Spirit is patience. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 130 to stances 3 and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, once again we deal with the fruit of the Spirit. This time with the virtue of patience. However, please remember that the fruit of the Spirit is put in the singular. For the text does not speak about the fruits of the Spirit, but about the fruit. That indicates to us that all those nine virtues which are mentioned here in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, that they belong together. You cannot just snip one of those (coughs) virtues out of the cluster and say that you have no need of that particular one. As long as I have all the other eight virtues then I don't have to worry too much. Eight out of nine is not too bad. No, love, all the nine virtues mentioned belong together. And patience is one of them. And that virtue, I'm sure you will all agree, is not something that we possess naturally. We are not a patient people by nature. And yet patience is a quality which is much admired not just by christians but also by the people of the world the world admires a patient person the people of the world admire a person who do not who does not easily fly off the handle someone who is calm cool and collected someone who is able to control his emotions and who is able to wait for the right opportunity to act. But is that what Paul means when he tells us that we must be patient? Does he mean with that uh, that we should be more laid back, that we should learn to relax more, and not always be in such a hurry all the time? Should we be like those people who appear to take everything in stride, who are not easily phased? in the face of all kinds of difficulties or does he have something else in mind well when you study the scriptures and then you will note that god's patience always has to do with his patience regarding our sins his slowness to anger and that's also what we sang about this morning we could sing about that as we began the worship service Singing from Psalm 142 stands two: slow is thy wrath in dealing with transgression. And that's also what the Lord says, for example, in Exodus 34 verse 6, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And so if we want to understand patience, then we have to understand right away that in the Scriptures, patience has to do with withholding one's wrath and fierce anger with regard to sin. and Not to be hasty in pronouncing judgment upon another person. The word actually means to be long-suffering. And note well that we are not speaking here about doing away with justice. The fact that the Lord is slow to anger does not mean that he will withhold his punishment. It does not even mean either that he will soften his anger in any way. No, patience has to do with slowness to anger. And as such, it has little to do with what the world understands patience to be. For the world around us does not want to deal with sin the world if it can help it wants to do away with judgment for themselves and for others however the bible teaches us that if you ignore sin that then you set yourself up for disaster patience has to do with dealing with sin properly and so this morning i will preach to you about the great patience of God for our sakes and then we will see two things first of all how the Lord with his patience shows his compassion and secondly how man must do the same first and how the Lord shows his patience we often take God's patience God's long-suffering for granted we take it for granted that we are allowed to live and even to enjoy all the wonderful things that are happening in our lives We think that it is normal that the Lord gives us families to enjoy good food and drink and all kinds of luxuries. And yet, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, in reality it is a miracle that you and I are still walking around here on this earth and that you and I have not been consumed by God's anger. For look at the things that we owe God. God created us in order to glorify him and to praise his great name. For he is the one who made us and who gave us everything. He planted man in the midst of the garden of Eden where he had plenty to eat and to drink and where he had all the comforts that he could ever desire. Indeed, all of God's gifts at creation were at his disposal. And yet, man threw it all away. And God's anger burned hot. God was full of righteous anger. But did God at that time destroy man and wipe him off the face from the earth as he had every right to do? No, he didn't. What did God do instead? He made a covenant with man. He continues to bestow on mankind his favor. But then what does man say? Does he then say, thank you, Lord? Does he acknowledge him? No, on the contrary. The Lord Jesus says in Luke 17, verse 27, about man in the days of Noah, that people were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. You see, the sin of mankind was not only the things that they did, but the things they didn't do. They enjoyed all the gifts of God, such as food and drink and companionship, but not a word of praise came from their mouths. They took it all for granted. They did not glorify God. They lived as if God did not exist as if it is a normal thing that he should receive all these things they lived as if they had a right to all the things which came their way yet it took God a long time before he finally acted and destroyed the world through the flood he waited and he waited No doubt the believers cried out to the Lord, How long yet, Lord? How long yet will you tolerate this wicked people? It says in Genesis 6 verse 5, the passage just before the flood took place, that the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord God waited and he waited until the measure of his anger was full. Noah and his family were the only people on earth who still wanted to serve the Lord. Why did the Lord God wait so long before he came with the flood? He waited so that every man on earth had a chance to repent from his wickedness. He did not want anyone to perish before his time. That, beloved, shows the long suffering, the patience of the Lord. And continually we see that throughout the history of redemption. He is a patient God. Do you remember how the people of Israel murmured and complained against the Lord God and Moses in the wilderness? There were many times that the Lord was filled with indignation and outright anger because of the rebelliousness and thankless nature of the people of Israel. He had brought them out of Egypt. He had given them their freedom back. He gave them what they needed every day, food and drink and companionship. They lacked nothing. And the Lord performed many miracles. He showed them What a mighty God he is. He even parted the waters of the Red Sea so that he could pass through dry land, unmolested by the Egyptians who were snapping at their heels. And yet, do the people get down on their knees and praise God for all that he has done? Do they remember his mighty acts? Not too long after that mighty miracle of the Lord, men are sent out to spy out the land of Canaan. And when they come back, all the spies, except two, they report the great strength of their opponents. And then they advise against conquering the land. And when Caleb and Joshua reminded the people of the might and strength of the Lord, the people are ready to stone them. And then the Lord said to Moses in Numbers 14, verse 11 and following, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of the miraculous signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they in other words he says to Moses Moses I am so angry with this people stand aside I am going to wipe them off the face of the earth but then what does Moses do Moses the mediator of the Old Testament pleads with God and he says to the Lord and reminds him of his own words the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. And so the Lord relents. He listens to Moses. The Lord forgave them again, and he continues to gather his people. He holds back his wrath. But that's not only the way it was with the nation of israel the same thing is true of the heathen nations he is also slow to anger with them he is patient you all know the story of jonah the lord sent jonah out to the city of nineveh to pronounce god's judgment upon that wicked city reluctantly jonah set sail to that city and when he finally gets there, after having been swallowed up by the great fish and being spewed forth on dry land, he pronounces God's judgment on that city. The Lord's anger had reached its boiling point, and the people repent. They cover themselves with sackcloth, and they fast en masse. But that's not what Jonah wanted. He did not want Nineveh to repent. He wanted that heathen nation, to be destroyed. Why? Because he, as a loyal Israelite, wanted that heathen capital of Assyria to be wiped off the face of the earth. But the Lord had a different mind. He was patient with the people of Nineveh. Oh, sure, there comes a time, and he does destroy that city, but that's much later. For it appears that their repentance was only temporary. They soon go back to their wicked ways. But in the meantime, the Lord God waits. He is patient. He waits for their wickedness to be so great that there is absolutely no longer any hope for that city. A lot of people have difficulty with the anger of God. Maybe you do as well. When Israel is about to enter the land of Canaan the Lord tells them in no uncertain terms that they are to wipe out the nations that live in the land of Canaan and they are to show them no mercy why would the Lord God order such a cruel thing to be done but actually we should wonder why it is that he allowed them to exist as long as he did we should not wonder why he waited so long We should wonder why he waited so long. For also with these nations he showed patience, enormous patience. But they utterly reject him. They practiced every abomination under the sun. And we should wonder further how it is that God still allows the people to enjoy his goodness on earth. For, brothers and sisters, there is so much wickedness here in this world. Listen to what it says in Romans 9, verse 22. Paul writes there, What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? Here you get some inkling of the enormous patience of God. He is going to bring this world to an end. And the end will come, and the Lord Jesus Christ will appear on the clouds to put an end to all immorality, to the enormous disobedience of the world. And He is waiting. In the meantime, He is patient. He holds back His wrath. How long did it not take until the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, came in the flesh on earth. The righteous cried out in anticipation of the coming Christ, Come, Maranatha, come, O Lord. And Christ did come. It took a long time, thousands of years. But he came, and God visited his wrath on him. It is on It is on him that God unleashed all his anger against the sin of mankind. He unleashed it on his only son. For you may wonder how it is possible that God indeed did hold back his anger for so long. He did so only because his beloved son was willing to have God's anger visited on him. And that is still the only reason why he holds back his anger against his own people right now. He holds back his anger against you and me, against all of us. For let's remember, brothers and sisters, we all deserve to be destroyed. There is no redeeming quality in us. Oh, what a great and merciful God we have, brothers and sisters, and how blessed we are. But, congregation, there is still a second coming. Christ will come again and God then will once more unleash his fury not against the elect but against those who right now make light of the Lord God for you see the world around us laughs they don't believe in the great wrath of God they think that it is a cruel hoax invented by Christians and therefore they want to ban the Bible from the classrooms and from being read on the airwaves. Why? Because it is too violent a book, too judgmental a book. They don't understand God's wrath. They want nothing to do with it. The psalmist tells us how the world tries the patience of God by saying, Where is there God? Where is God indeed? Well, Peter answers that question. He says in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Lord our God is waiting. He is waiting for man to come to repentance. He is also waiting for those of us who have not repented from their sins who continue to live in their same sins, not wanting to change. It's a good thing that the Lord God is patient with you and me, also with you, brother and sister, who are not repenting from your sins right now. However, let us remember one thing. There comes a time and he will visit his wrath on those who do not want to acknowledge that there is a God in heaven and so let none of us get too comfortable for it is also a wonder that the Lord continues to bless all of us that he also continues to bless God's church here in Edmonton for in how many ways do you and I not try God's patience think about it are we not all a sinful bunch of people A miserable lot look at the trouble you and i cause every day look at the troubles in our families in the church there is jealousy there's envy there's backbiting there's slander you name it we do it none of us is without guilt and therefore is it not wonderful that we have a mediator in heaven who pleads our cause every moment of each day Christ, our flesh, continually intercedes for us. He says, Father, be patient with them. Do not consume them in your anger. Father, look at me. I have paid for that miserable lot down there. They are mine, and they're yours. And now if God has such patience with us, if he even sent his own son to appease his anger against us, how do you think we should treat each other? We come to the second point. In the parable which we read together, the Lord Jesus teaches us how we should apply that in our own lives. In answer to Peter's question, how often we should forgive each other, the Lord gives his parable dealing with the law of forgiveness. And there twice the word patience is used. You know the story, a servant owes an enormous amount of money to the king, which he could not pay even if he had a hundred lifetimes to pay it. And now the king wants to settle accounts. He wants him to pay up or else he will be thrown into jail. And then we read, The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And then the king cancels all his debts and lets him go free. But then a fellow servant who owes that same servant whose debts had just been forgiven only a small amount of money also gets down on his knees and beseeches him, saying, be patient with me and I will pay you back but he has no mercy on him he has th- him thrown into prison until he pays his death the conclusion of the parable is that the king finds out about this and has no mercy on that man who was unwilling to forgive the parable teaches us about the patience of our Heavenly Father he forgives our debts completely he wipes them out but, oh boy, if you take God's benevolence for granted. And how do you do that? You do that by not being patient with your fellow man. And how do you show patience? What truly then is that fruit of the Spirit which is called patience? And God's patience teaches us that we must be ready to forgive your brother. Not just once, not just twice, no, no. 70 times 7 that is ad infinitum there may be no end to your forgiveness that doesn't mean of course that you overlook the sins of others patience does not mean that we just shrug it all off and say who cares patience doesn't mean resignation. it doesn't mean that you ignore sin no it means that you are patient in the way that you deal with it someone who loves his brother or sister points out his or her sins he kindly shows him or her where he or she is going wrong but with what aim the aim is the same as the Lord's to bring another back to repentance for a person does not repent from their sins as was the case with us first servant, and then the wrath of God will nevertheless still come down upon us. Patience does not mean that we have to overlook sin, but that we, are over, that we are forbearing with one another. And oh, that is so hard for us, isn't it? For patience is not something that we possess naturally. Remember, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It has to grow, it has to be nurtured along, how then do we obtain patience in dealing with the sin of others well you have to get down on your knees first of all and you have to implore your heavenly father to grant it to you time and again you must ask him to give you a heart of compassion and i promise you he will give it to you ask and you shall receive and secondly you have to pray With a humble heart learn time and again to take a close look at yourself and to realize how great your own sin is someone who is not aware of his own sinfulness will never ever become a patient person we have to be aware of our own great debt which we owe the almighty god and only once we do that brothers and sisters and that includes you boys and girls then, indeed, will we also have the strength to be patient with others. For what is our old nature? It is that we are all like that first servant. We overlook the great debt that we owe, but we have no difficulty with seeing and extracting, if we can, the small debt that others owe us. That's what we are like. For you see, the real problem with us is that we see the debts of others in relation to ourselves and not to God. We want our pound of flesh. We want others to pay, not because they have wronged God, but because they have wronged me. That's what we're like. We are self-centered, and we do not treat others in the way that the Lord treats us. One of the big problems in Galatia was the self-righteous attitude of the Judaizers, the circumcision party. They were legalistic in their attitude. They proclaimed to have a very high view of the law, for they were more precise in applying the law of God than the others in the church, or so they claimed. But they abused God's patience by judging others harshly and by boasting about their own self-righteousness their own ability to keep the old testament laws of god they understood nothing about their own sinfulness or about fulfilling the law of christ and so these Judaizers brought a curse upon themselves you know the lord has many ways to teach us patience and he does that by confronting us with our own sins and by reminding us about the results of sin he teaches us to wait for him ultimately that's what patience is all about. The one thing we note from the scriptures is that the Lord teaches us to be patient by testing us through trials and tribulations. Patience, the ability to withstand the brokenness of human life, comes only with time. For it is not so hard to be patient when things are going well, and when everything is going the way you want it. But it is especially hard to be patient when there is difficulty think about what James wrote he says be patient then, brothers until the Lord's coming see how the farmer waits for the Lord to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains he writes these words in the context of the suffering of the elect who are waiting for the day of the Lord God's elect are constantly testing tested as they wait for the coming of the Lord They are tested by all the injustices all around them which abound. For James notes also how the poor are so often oppressed by the rich. And then James strongly warns the rich. He says in the beginning of chapter 5, Look, the wages you fail to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who are not opposing you. But what does he say to the downtrodden? He says, be patient. Do you see how the Lord tests those whom he loves? He takes everything away from them. He takes away their health, their wealth, their earthly security, and he makes them wait. Wait for what? For the Lord, brothers and sisters. You see, suffering instead of drawing us away from the Lord is designed to bring us closer to him. It is des- it is designed to make us expect all things from God alone. Be patient. Wait for the Lord. Someone who has learned to be patient in this way takes a more sober approach to life. A patient person knows that God is with him always, and he's able to hear the short, and he's able to bear the shortcomings of those around him. Brothers and sisters, we still have a lot to learn, don't we? We have short fuses, and our anger at others is so easily ignited. We are impatient, especially with our loved ones. We can flare up at the drop of a hat, particularly when there are problems in our life. And it is hard to be patient when constantly we face ill health or when we have to suffer the injustices at the hands of others. We can even be angry with God and cry out, Why, Lord? Why me? And then the Lord says, Be patient. I will vindicate you I will rescue you I will save you for one thing we know brothers and sisters there comes an end to all the afflictions that we have to bear here on earth the Lord will test us here in this life and he is preparing us for the day of the Lord and in the meantime brothers and sisters we wait we wait for the Lord and we do so together together we go through the tribulations that this world will bring and we will do it in the strength of the Lord Amen